Good morning. I'm Hudson Rio, and this is my wife, Crystal. We're here to briefly talk about our experiences with Celebrate Recovery, as well as the complimentary program for children, Celebration Place. So my journey with CR began after I completed my doctorate training in clinical psychology. I had absolutely no intention of participating in this program to deal with my own issues. Instead, I was interested in utilizing my gifts to serve the church in addition to my clinical work in the community. Much to my surprise, as I became familiar with CR, I discovered a safe place where I could face and disclose my own struggles. Now, while my childhood traumas had been dealt with, you know, I had been able to forgive my trespasses and God reminded me of who I was through Christ, the truth is it still plagued me at the depths of my soul. Low self-worth, that stemmed from these early traumas manifested as perfectionistic tendencies, including unattainable expectations of myself and others that often resulted in internal battles with anger, disappointment, and conflict with those that I love the most. James 5.16 instructs, Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. To have a place where I could share the worst of me with others and exchange, receive love, acceptance, and biblical guidance has truly been one of the most precious gifts that I've received from Christ. And I pray that this is something that each of you will have a chance to experience. Now, although I'm still a work in progress, uh, the healing that Crystal saw in me through CR she discovered that I was even a more awesome husband and father. <laughs> Who knew, right? Okay, so maybe this last part is my version of what drew her interest to CR, but I'll let her tell her side of the story. Hello, everyone. I'm Crystal Real. I started coming to Celebrate Recovery when I was five months pregnant with our fourth Christian child. Our fourth child Christian. <laughs> I did not attend CR for recovery issues specifically. Um, but because of the changes that were happening with my husband um, and for the free dinner on Friday night, it was a meal that I didn't have to cook. <laughs> um, but I was intrigued and curious about the program. I did not know what to expect or what CR was really about. Honestly, I didn't feel like I had any issues that needed dealing with in an overly intentional way. I was wrong, very wrong. It was not at all like I anticipated. Instead of my preconceived notions of a 12-step program, I found the most genuine, compassionate, authentic group of individuals who genuinely care about God, themselves, and others. As a result, I am learning how to deal with some of my issues, such as fear and anxiety, overeating, codependency, and criticalness. Before I started CR, I was not a person who enjoyed or appreciated vulnerability and openness, especially in a group setting. Walking alongside others, experiencing hurts, habits, and hang-ups themselves has given me courage to be honest and genuine about these issues. And the most wonderful aspect of the program to me is that I feel safe and I'm able to share knowing that confidentially Confidentiality and privacy are really sacred things here. I'm especially excited about the children's program that Hudson and I lead on Friday nights. One of my favorite verses in the Bible is Proverbs 22.6. It says, train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. Children also have issues. 
that need dealing with. And together, as a family, Celebrate Recovery and Celebration Place can give them the framework in which to talk and work through these issues together as a family with Christ as its focus. So as Crystal uh, commented on, Celebration Place is CR's complimentary program for children. It has its own age-appropriate curriculum for ages 5 to 13 that meets every Friday while their caregivers are at Celebrate Recovery. So our time up here is short. In service of our Christ-centered love that we have for each of you and your children, I offer you this truth. The impact of my and your hurt habit or hang-ups go well beyond the boundaries of ourselves. They impact our children despite our best efforts as caregivers. And this is in addition to those hurts that our children will eventually experience, be it at their own doing or someone else's hand. Celebration Place teaches children among other lessons, the truth of James 5.16. It is a vessel of Christ's love that equips children with biblical truths about effective, day, excuse me, about effective ways to deal with their own struggles. It's a safe place for them to be vulnerable and experience Christ's healing power. And Crystal and I are blessed to take part in this every Friday. Following the service, we'll be out in the foyer. If you have any questions, we'd be happy to talk with you. Thank you. Well, hello, everyone. I'm Dave King. I'm one of the ministry leaders of Celebrate Recovery. And what we're going to do next is read the eight principles, the eight recovery principles from CR um, that are follow the uh, Beatitudes from Matthew 5. So we always do that every Friday. We read them out loud together. So here we go. Principle one, realize I'm not God. I admit that I am powerless to control my tendency to do the wrong thing and that my life is unmanageable. Happy are those who know they are spiritually poor. Two, earnestly believe that God exists, that I matter to Him, and that He has the power to help me recover. Happy are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Three, consciously choose to commit all my life and will to Christ's care and control. Happy are the meek. Four, openly examine and confess my faults to myself, to God, and to someone I trust. Happy are the pure in heart. Five, voluntarily submit to every change God wants to make in my life and humbly ask Him to remove my character defects. Happy are those whose greatest desire is to do what God requires. Six, evaluate all my relationships. Offer forgiveness to those who have hurt me and make amends for harm I've done to others, except when to do so would harm them or others. Happy are the merciful. Happy are the peacemakers. Seven, reserve a daily time with God for self-examination Bible reading and prayer in order to know God and His will for my life and to gain the power to follow His will. Eight, yield myself to God to be used to bring this good news to others, both by my example and by my words. Happy are those who are persecuted 
because they do what God requires. So this is something that we do every Friday night. So you now are familiar at least with part of what we do. So when you come in, you'll feel more comfortable. I just want to welcome you to this Sunday, to the Celebrate Recovery Sunday here at Windsor Road uh, Christian Church. And I want to thank Hudson and Crystal for sharing a little bit of their story and especially for their leadership of Celebration Place. Um, as they said, um, our families are systems. We're all connected. Um, what we struggle with affects them. And we're grateful that our children have a place to go. CR is now in its 10th year at Windsor Road Christian Church, if you can imagine that. And it wouldn't be possible without the generous support of Randy, our lead pastor, and the elder leadership and small groups here that assist us with meals and, and other kinds of things. We're deeply grateful for your ongoing commitment and involvement. We really couldn't do it without your support, so thank you very much. It's especially good uh, to be here for you if you're a newcomer, if this is your first time. And as we say every Friday, you now have something in common with all of us, which is we were once newcomers. So we understand the courage that it takes to walk in and be open and transparent. And we're glad that we had this opportunity for you to see how God changes lives through Celebrate Recovery. Today we're going to be reading a passage from 2 Corinthians 1, uh, verses 3 through 9. And that can be found uh, in your Bibles in front of you on page 964. If you don't have a Bible, please take that one. It would uh, be the, the church's delight to give you that as a gift. And I will start with verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our affliction so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. For as we share abundantly in Christ's sufferings, so through Christ we share abundantly in comfort too. If we are afflicted, it is for your comfort and salvation. And if we are comforted, it is for your comfort which you experience when you patiently endure the same sufferings that we suffer. Our hope for you is unshaken, for we know that as you share in our sufferings, you will also share in our comfort. For we do not want you to be unaware, brothers, of the affliction we experienced in Asia, for we were so utterly burdened beyond our strength that we despaired of life itself. Indeed, we felt that we had received the sentence of death, but that was to make us rely not on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. So if you're counting, as I was reading, you would have tabulated that the word comfort occurs ten times in that passage. And the word affliction, or if you're reading from the NIV, it would be translated as trouble, that that occurs four times and suffering occurs four times. So it only seemed to make sense that I would talk about our troubles and God's comfort. And since it's CR Sunday, I thought, why not? So that's what we're going to do. We'll dig in and, and see uh, why this passage is important to us at Celebrate Recovery and for all of us. And as we do that, we'll understand the context and the intent that was intended then for the Corinthians and then to us now and its relevance. 
So let's start with the Corinthian issues, which may resemble some of our own modern era issues. The Corinthian church had many significant issues, and commentators indicate that Corinthian society struggled with health-related concerns, wealth, protection, safety. They desired popularity, fame, status. They desired power. They were enamored with appearance. One commentator said self-appreciation was their goal and self-glorification was their reward. Now Paul addressed these issues very pointedly in his first letter in 1 Corinthians. And the Corinthians responded as many people do when they're put on front street. They went on the offensive and they attacked Paul in a number of ways. So as Paul begins to write 2 Corinthians, he begins it as a defense, as a rebuttal to what he's been accused of. And it begins with the doxology. So these first few verses that we read are actually a doxology. Usually at the end of a letter, he starts off 2 Corinthians with this. So many of the Corinthian struggles resemble issues in our era. They had afflictions and troubles and so do we. So as Paul initiates his rebuttal of the Corinthian accusations, he profoundly states how God's comfort through Christ sustains him in all circumstances. And this remains true for all of us here today as well. So right out of the gate, I want to give you two big ideas. And I, I said this in the last service, I'll say it again. I know Randy only gives you one big idea generally, but I know he underestimates this. I think we can handle two big ideas. So here's big idea number one. The comfort of the cross transforms our pain, our trouble, so that we can comfort others. And big idea number two. To experience the comfort of the cross, you have to know the Savior we gain a clearer understanding of the magnitude of these concepts when we have a better sense of what these afflictions or troubles are that people experience. And I really want to just take a quick look at two people in one group. I want to take a quick look at Jesus, another one at Paul, and then at, at us. And I think that will help us understand a little bit more about what Paul's talking about. In Mark 14, 33 and 34, Jesus um, did this. He took Peter, James, and John with him to the Garden of Gethsemane. And it says, he began to be deeply distressed and troubled. And he said to them, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch. And we all know what happened, right? And you can talk in church, it's okay. What, what happened? He came back and what, was, what, what were they doing? They were sleeping. And he said, you know, stay, stay awake. And he went back and prayed. And when he came back, they were sleeping again. Now I want you to notice something. That Jesus went, when he experienced trouble, to pray, to connect with his Father. 
And the other thing is he took people with him. He did not do that by himself. He didn't do it alone. He agonized over this. He sweat drops of blood. And by the way, his situation was not removed from him. He endured this trouble because of the joy that was set before him. He despised the shame of the cross because of the joy that was set before him. That's the trouble that Christ faced. Now Paul describes his trouble further on in 2 Corinthians in chapter 11. And I just want to read verses 24 through 27 because it, it says very clearly what kind of trouble he experienced. He said that he had experienced far more imprisonments with countless beatings and often near death. And then he goes on to say, five times I was beaten with rods. Once, well, hold on. Five times I received at the hands of the Jews the 40 lashes less one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. And have you been shipwrecked? Like maybe your, your motor on your fishing boat went out or something? I don't, I don't know. Three times he was shipwrecked. A night and a day I was adrift at sea. On frequent journeys, in danger from rivers, danger from robbers, danger from my own people, danger from Gentiles, danger in the city, danger in the wilderness, danger at sea, danger from false brothers, in toil and hardship through many a sleepless night, in hunger and thirst, often without food, in cold and exposure. This is not mild discomfort. This is trouble. And to understand it, really, you have to look at verse 8. I mean, this is the trouble that Paul is talking about in verse 8, where he says that indeed we felt that we had received the sentence of death. And he says that... Um, that they were um, burdened beyond despair, so utterly burdened that their strength, that they despaired of life itself. And really, you can't fully understand the gravity of the situation reading it in the English language. And I'm not a Greek scholar. I dabble in it from time to time. And when you look at what it's, how it's originally written, you can understand uh, more of what he is saying and what he's experiencing and feeling. So literally, it goes something like this. Beyond all measure, exceedingly more, far beyond than our strength or power, weighted down with mental oppression of inevitable death, we were destitute of all resources utterly at a loss of life. That's real trouble. And I think some of us may have experienced similar kinds of things, that feeling, that gut-wrenching nausea when we've encountered something that is far greater than we can handle alone. This kind of trouble requires a comfort that's not from this world. 
It's comfort that's miraculous and supernatural. And we don't have time today, but you should take a look and see that Paul did not go through this trouble by himself. Silas, Timothy, Titus, Barnabas, others walked with him. So I have a question for you. Do you have people in your life like that? That will be with you when you're in that kind of trouble? I do every Friday night. Every Friday. So that's Paul and Jesus. And and what I want to do now is, is show you a, a little bit of, of a slideshow that I put together that maybe describes you and I. I have to get my slides in order. Here we go. This is to confirm that I'm not a graphic artist, okay? Just so you know. We all bring you know, many varied experiences, our histories, our vulnerabilities, We come from all sorts of different paths here today. And then the next slide will show that at some point, and that could happen very early in our lives as children, it can happen as adults, it can happen to us, it can be because of us, it can happen to our kids, but we experience a pain, a hurt, or a wound. And it leaves a hole. It leaves a hole in our soul. And that hole needs some kind of comfort. And as we go through life, the next slide will show that we might experience multiple hurts, multiple wounds. I can't even list them all. These are just some of mine. Divorced when my family when I was six. Divorce as an adult. Abandonment I experienced, abandonment of my children, the grief I felt in realizing the trauma I had as a kid. Hurts that are done to us directly or the result of somebody else's choices. The question is, how, how do you manage that pain? What do you do? Where do you go? Well, Sometimes we attempt to fill this hole with other kinds of things. We want to comfort ourselves. We self-medicate. We might do that with food. Uh, We might do that with technology. You know, by looking at things we shouldn't look at. By spending inordinate amounts of time on social media. By being isolated and unplugged from people and plugged in to electronics. Because we're trying to fill a hole. We may look, through, uh, look for uh, comfort in the wrong places, such as alcohol. All of these things become idols. And idols were never intended to give us comfort. They're incapable of doing that. We can look at comfort through relationships and romance. People that will make us feel needed, validated, and approved. We may may become codependent, 
thinking that we can take care of other people and prevent things from happening to them and making sure that everything's okay. We're not nearly that powerful. Or my go-to is anger. Which, as I read in a book long ago, it's one letter away from danger. As Hudson and Crystal shared earlier, our hurts do not stay just with us. They affect other people. We wound other people, especially those they care about. And when we continue to rely on things that can't fill that hole, this is what happens. That hole becomes bigger. And we walk around wearing a mask saying, I'm fine. Feeling I'm nothing to everyone. I'm fine. We're consumed by our struggle. We either think about it constantly or we're trying not to. We wear a mask. And at this point, we can be disconnected from ourselves and from other people. We isolate. This is our trouble. And Jesus says, in this world, you're going to have trouble. You're not going to be able to escape it. You're never going to be exempt from it. All our afflictions, all of our hurts, habits, and hang-ups need the comfort of the cross. This transformational, supernatural comfort. So this next slide we're going to put up is actually something a few weeks ago you were asked to write on a card one thing that stood between you and God. Almost 400 cards that we tallied and categorized. And here they are. Do you see yourself up there? This is our trouble. I'm up there. It's my trouble. So a question for you today to consider is what trouble are you experiencing that only the comfort of the cross can relieve? What is it? This idea of comfort isn't a new notion. It's not a new concept. Read the Old Testament and you'll see that God's character is about compassion and comfort. We see in Isaiah 61, 1-3, where He says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because the Lord has anointed me. To do what? To bring good news to the poor. He sent me to bind up the brokenhearted. To proclaim liberty to the captives. To comfort all who mourn. To give a beautiful headdress instead of ashes. The oil of gladness instead of mourning. The garment of praise instead of a faint spirit or despair. We see God's loving kindness in Psalms 86. For you, O Lord, are good and, and, and forgiving, abounding in steadfast love to all who call upon you. But you, O Lord, are a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger, and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. In Lamentations, 
3.22 Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed because His compassions never fail. In Isaiah 42.3 A bruised reed He will not crush. The New Testament shows that we read it earlier in one of our principles. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Matthew 5.24 In John 15.26, Jesus says, But when the Helper comes, the Comforter, when the Comforter comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of Truth, who proceeds from the Father, he will bear witness about me. This word for comfort is translated a number of different ways. It's the word paraclete, to come alongside, right? We need people to come alongside us when we're in trouble. And the comfort of the cross, this divine comfort, is transformational. It's inexhaustible. It's always available. It is God's tender mercy that's generous, gracious, and gentle. And just as Paul wrote that he was in utter despair, burdened beyond measure, so it is that the overwhelmingly abundant comfort of the cross exists. It is every possible encouragement, a never-failing comfort of every variety. And this comfort is mediated through you and me. It occurs through the personal encounter of a relationship. It's always from God, mediated through us. Our trouble plus God's comfort is not for our self-promotion. It's not for our boasting. It is one way we get to share in God's glory. And as you read through that passage of Scripture, you you begin to see a little bit of a formula that, that comes out. God's comfort, the comfort of the cross, plus our struggles, our trouble, our fiction, our affliction, our hurt, habit, and hang up, equals patient endurance. And Paul gives us a reason, perhaps the only reason, why these troubles come upon us. And that's in verse 9. He says, These occurred to make us rely not on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. Paul delineates that this experience of trouble and affliction, this suffering, equips and qualifies us to be vessels of God's comfort. And by doing so, we learn to trust God and rely on Him and not on ourselves. This divine comfort provides consolation and it brings strength in the face of adversity. It produces spiritual refreshment. It's far more than solace or an expression of sympathy. This perseverance and hope, this patient endurance can equip us to sit with discomfort. Just as Jesus' circumstances weren't removed, ours may not. Not all circumstances resolve quickly or at all. 
It's certainly not a comfort zone where we sit back unchallenged, unengaged. And I happened to witness this just a few weeks ago at a recovery meeting where the gentleman sitting next to me was sharing and weeping about his circumstances and his struggles. And towards the end of the meeting, another person walked in, just barged in, not doing well, impaired, disheveled. And he looks at somebody and he says, you're done for. Very disturbing. And this gentleman who was sitting next to me weeping gets up and addresses this gentleman by his name and says, come outside and talk with me. The comfort we receive is used to comfort others. So I have a question for you. What formula are you living by? Is it to do more and try harder? That produces legalism. Is it to knowing better but not doing better? That produces shame. What, what formula are you living by? Here's my formula. I had to put a farming picture in there because in my free time I like to do that. Borrow other people's equipment. I love that. Um, me, left to my own devices, plus my hurt habit and hang-up, will equal despair. Not thinking it will ever change. Not thinking it will ever get better. Alone. That's my formula. Here's God's formula. That the comfort of the cross plus our struggles will produce in us the ability to persevere, to have hope, and be at peace. Go back to what Paul said. Beyond all measure, exceedingly beyond, far beyond our strength. He was able to have comfort. So our ongoing experience of divine comfort is to equip us to be an agent of God's bountiful comfort. This is why Celebrate Recovery exists. It's so that we can help others. This comfort is meant to be shared. I mean, if you've experienced this kind of comfort, how could you not share it? You can't keep it. You can't keep it unless you give it away. And that's why I'm at Celebrate Recovery every Friday. Can you put that slide back up of all of our struggles? Can you find that real quick? Our troubles. His comfort. Let's pray.